Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Roberto. My name is just Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> Happy day to you. Whatever day it may be in your world or yes. when you're listening to this, we just wish you a little dose of happiness today. Absolutely. We want to be a little ray of sunshine on a cloudy day. Mm, I like that. Yes. little ray of sunshine. Like just peeking through the clouds, you can kind of see the, the sunlight. What is God? I, I want to believe that we're reading his word and he is like a light. So that Just was kind of my through the stretch. It was good. No, I like it. Friends, thank you so much for joining with us on this journey through the message. We have really been in just an action-packed moments, especially in the Old Testament. Yesterday, man, we had the beginning of the plagues. And I have oh. read through these numerous times, but it's a good reminder our hearts can be really hard towards oh, even man. when he is right there in front of us and doing stuff. It's amazing how hard the human heart can be towards God. Yes, it's a stubborn pride. Mm. It's pride. That is all it is. In the face of God, shaking your fist, saying, I don't care. But I imagine at that point in history, the pharaohs who were in charge probably considered themselves akin to a god. Yes, and there's nobody greater than me. Right, I can't worship this, and I'm not going to allow you to worship anybody but me. But consider, think of how many Israelites there were in Egypt. If he were to let them go, it would decimate production in their country because they relied on the Israelites, their slaves, to do that. Mm. So all those hundreds of thousands of people suddenly gone, it would decimate and change the very way of life of Egypt. So it's not a simple, we'll just go. Right. It was going to affect everybody in Egypt because they would have to rely on themselves and their own people to do the work of these hundreds of thousands of slaves. I think there were 400,000 that came out. It's crazy. It's a lot of people. It is a lot. So Father God, be with us today. Open our hearts and minds as we journey through your word today and make the words on the paper come alive and breathe yes. life and hope and just a thirst and hunger to know you better. That's our whole goal here is just to get mm -hmm. to know who is this God that we serve just a little better. Anyone with that darkness, that just, just those spots of darkness, I just pray that something in here will be that light that will just shine that darkness right out of you. So we ask this all in your holy name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So Heidi, you're going to be starting out in Matthew today. As always, we're going to have mm -hmm. the text that we're reading through down below in the comments. If uh, you want to follow along in your favorite translation or yes. maybe uh, while you're big on... Big print message Bible. Ooh, big print. Mm -hmm. So I can see to do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're starting in chapter 12 at the beginning. One Sabbath, Jesus was strolling with his disciples through a field of ripe grain. Hungry, the disciples were pulling off the heads of grain and munching on them. Some Pharisees reported them to Jesus. Your disciples are breaking the Sabbath rules. Jesus said, really? Didn't you ever read what David and his companions did when they were hungry? How they entered the sanctuary and ate fresh bread off the altar? Bread that no one but priests were allowed to eat? 
And didn't you ever read in God's law that priests carrying out their temple duties break Sabbath rules all the time and it's not held against them? There is far more at stake here than religion. If you had any idea what this scripture meant, I prefer a flexible heart to an inflexible ritual. You wouldn't be nitpicking like this. Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm reading that one more time. And not because I'm directing this at only you out there. This is at me too. There is far more at stake here than religion. If you had any idea what this scripture meant, I prefer a flexible heart to an inflexible ritual. You wouldn't be nitpicking like this. The Son of Man is no yes man to the Sabbath. He's in charge. When Jesus left the field, he entered their meeting place. There was a man there with a crippled hand. They said to Jesus, Is it legal to heal on the Sabbath? They were baiting him. He replied, Is there a person here who, finding one of your lambs fallen into a ravine, wouldn't, even though it was a Sabbath, pull it out? Surely kindness to people is as legal as kindness to animals. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. He held it out and it was healed. The Pharisees walked out furious, sputtering about how they were going to ruin Jesus. Jesus, knowing they were out to get him, moved on. A lot of people followed him and he healed them all. He also cautioned them to keep it quiet, following guidelines set down by Isaiah. Look well at my hand-picked servant. I love him so much. Take such delight in him. I've placed my spirit on him. He'll decree justice to the nations, but he won't yell, won't raise his voice. There'll be no commotion in the streets. He won't walk over anyone's feelings, won't push you into a corner. Before you know it, his justice will triumph. The mere sound of his name will signal hope, even among far-off unbelievers. <sighs> I really like there is far more at stake here than religion. Uh, mm. And just the flexible heart to an inflexible ritual. And it's like what we talked about yesterday briefly. It's not all about like memorizing this and following this ritual right. and all of these rules and regulations in order to don't be make, in God's don't presence. Don't make the liturgy and the rituals equal to God yeah. because they aren't. God doesn't need those things. It's what we've done to design and organize our church services. God doesn't need that. So don't let it replace God. Don't ever let that become God because it's not. And now we're going to be moving just a few books forward up to Acts, and I'll be reading out of Acts chapter 17, 1 through 15. And we're going to pick up with Paul and Silas here in Thessalonica. Ooh. They took the road south through Amphipolis and Apollonia to Thessalonica, where there was a community of Jews. Paul went on to their meeting place, as he usually did when he came to a town, and for three Sabbaths running, he preached to them from the scriptures. He opened up the text so that they understood what they'd been reading all their lives. 
that the Messiah absolutely had to be put to death and raised from the dead. There were no other options, and that this Jesus I'm introducing you to is that Messiah. Some of them were won over and joined the ranks with Paul and Silas, among them a great many God-fearing Greeks and a considerable number of women from the aristocracy. But the hardline Jews became furious over the conversions. Mad with jealousy, they rounded up a bunch of brawlers off of the streets and soon had an ugly mob terrorizing the city as they hunted down Paul and Silas. They broke into Jason's house thinking that Paul and Silas were there. When they couldn't find them, they collared Jason and his friends instead and dragged them before the city mm-hmm. fathers, yelling hysterically, These people are out to destroy the world, and now they've shown up on our doorstep attacking everything that we hold dear, and Jason is hiding them, these traitors and turncoats who say that Jesus is king and Caesar is nothing. The city fathers and the crowd of people were totally alarmed by what they heard. They made Jason and his friends post heavy bail and then let them go while they investigated the charges. That night, under cover of darkness, their friends got Paul and Silas out of town as fast as they could. They sent them to Berea, where they again met with the Jewish community. They were treated a lot better there than in Thessalonica. The Jews received Paul's message with enthusiasm and met with him daily, examining the scriptures to see if they supported what he said. A lot of them became believers, including many Greeks who were prominent in the community, women and men of influence. I love it. I love that he mentioned the women Mm -hmm. first. That we're supposed to notice that. But it wasn't long before reports got back to the Thessalonian hardline Jews that Paul was at it again, preaching the word of God, this time in Berea. They lost no time responding and created a mob scene there too. With the help of his friends, Paul gave them the slip, caught a boat, and put out to sea. Silas and Timothy stayed behind. The men who helped Paul escape got him as far as Athens and then left him there. Paul sent word back with them to Silas and Timothy. Come as quickly as you can. Mm. I think so often we can read through this and not stop to think of the actual scene of this, of what was going on in the fear people would have. It's not like they politely knocked on Jason's door and asked, do you mind if we come in and just take a little look around? They probably destroyed his place. Yeah. They, I mean, the door just blown off hinges. The place just upended and absolutely destroyed. Then getting angry because they're not there, dragging them through. They weren't treated gently. I think collaring them, I'll have to look, but I'm guessing it was probably putting some type of a chain thing around their collar and then dragging them. Prisoners, and I'm I'm sure they expected to die. Yeah, wasn't pretty. And, you know, in these new Christians there, it speaks volumes of faith that they remained in the faith as brand new Christians. And at the same time, this is happening. They don't know if they're going to die or it's... It's remarkable. And now we're going to be rewinding back to the Old Testament, and Heidi will be picking up here with Psalms chapter 27. 
It is down 27. All I right. skimmed a little bit. Chances are real high that this is going to be a Kleenex one. So All we'll right. see. We are ready. So don't ever take my tears as a bad thing. It's a beautiful, I, oh, it's just me being just filled with just such excitement and love for my God and what he's done for me. It's never a bad thing to allow the emotions mm -hmm. that God puts inside of you as you're reading the Bible and you feel him speaking to you personally and yes. deeply through something. If you need to let a tear shed, Do it. it's not a bad thing. I used to be embarrassed because um, I, I just get so emotional in church almost all the time. And initially, I was so embarrassed of that. And I'm just trying to all secretly like make sure nobody sees a tear. And I have no shame anymore mm. in any tear I shed because of my joy and love that I have found in my God who's brought me home. Yeah. Oh, all right, let's read Psalm 27. Let's go. Let's practice crying. I know. Get ready. <laughs> Light, space, zest. That's God. So with him on my side, I'm fearless, afraid of no one and nothing. When vandal hordes ride down ready to eat me alive, those bullies and toughs fall flat on their faces. When besieged, I'm calm as a baby. When all hell breaks loose, I'm collected and cool. I'm asking God for one thing, only one thing, to live with him in his house my whole life long. I'll contemplate his beauty. I'll study at his feet. That's the only quiet, secure place in a noisy world. Mm. The perfect getaway far from the buzz of traffic. God holds me head and shoulders above all who try to pull me down. I'm headed for his place to offer anthems that will raise the roof. Already, I'm singing God songs. I'm making music to God. Listen, God, I'm calling at the top of my lungs. Be good to me. Answer me. When my heart whispered, seek God, my whole being replied, I'm seeking him. Don't hide from me now. And get ready. Here it comes. <laughs> You've always been right there for me. Don't turn your back on me now. Don't throw me out. Don't abandon me. You've always kept the door open. My father and mother walked out and left me, but God took me in. Amen, he did. Thank you, God, for Thank your words. Thank you, Jesus. Point me down your highway, God. Direct me along a well-lighted street. Show my enemies whose side you're on. Don't throw me to the dogs, those liars who are out to get me, filling the air with their threats. I'm sure now I'll see God's goodness in the exuberant earth. Stay with God. Take heart. Don't quit. I'll say it again. Stay with God. It was a beautiful, and I can see how it was a very deeply personal psalm for you. God without, took me in. Without going into a lot of detail, I mean, you have not had a relationship with your family in decades. decades. And to have the assurance written in black and white on some paper, it doesn't matter what your earthly father and mother may do or not do or how they may 
be a part in your life or not a part in your life, yeah. God took you in and you are God's child. It's beautiful. Stay with God. Stay with God. And now we're going to be heading back to Exodus and seeing what this hard-hearted Pharaoh is up to. Like, man, can you imagine blood in the river? You've got frogs, you got flies, you got gnats, you got a hailstorm. All of this stuff happening. And this guy is literally boils. He's literally saying, yeah, well, I know what I said, but you know what? I'm going to go back on that because I changed my mind. And his heart was hard. And he is seeing all this happen in real time. The misery. He's seeing the effects on his people and he's still choosing to go against God. Yeah. The misery on this country is astonishing so we'll be ending here today in exodus i'll be reading 10 11 and 12. strike number eight god said to moses go to pharaoh i've made him stubborn him and his servants so that i can force him to look at these signs and so that you'll be able to tell your children and grandchildren Mm. how i toyed with the egyptians like a cat with a mouse You'll tell them the stories of the signs that I brought down on them so that you'll all know that I am God. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, God, the God of the Hebrews, says, How long are you going to refuse to knuckle under? Release my people so that they can worship me. If you refuse to release my people, watch out. Tomorrow, I'm bringing locusts into your country. They will cover every square inch of ground. No one will be able to see the ground. They will devour everything left over from the hailstorm. Even the saplings out in the fields, they'll clear cut the trees and they'll invade your houses, filling the houses of your servants, filling every house in Egypt. Nobody will have ever seen anything like this from the time your ancestors first set foot on this soil until today. Mm. Then he turned on his heel and left Pharaoh. Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long are you going to let this man harass us? Let these people go and worship their God. Can't you see that Egypt is on its last legs? Mm. So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. He said to them, go ahead, Ben, go, worship your God. But just who exactly is going with you? Moses said, we are taking young and old, sons and daughters, flocks and herds. This is our worship celebration of God. He said, I'd sooner send you off with God's blessings than let you go with your children. Look, you're up to no good. It's written all over your faces. No way. Just the men are going. Go ahead and worship God. That's what you want so badly. And they were thrown out of Pharaoh's presence. God said to Moses, Stretch your hand over Egypt and Mm. signal the locusts to cover the land of Egypt, devouring every blade of grass in the country, everything that the hail didn't get. Mm. Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and God let loose an east wind. It blew that day and night, and by morning the east wind had brought in the locusts. Mm. 
The locusts covered the country of Egypt, settling over every square inch of Egypt. The place was thick with locusts. There never was an invasion of locusts like it in the past, and never will be again. The ground was completely covered, black with locusts. They ate everything. Every blade of grass, every piece of fruit, anything that the hail didn't get. Nothing left but bare trees and bare fields. Not a sign of green in the whole land of Egypt. Pharaoh had Moses and Aaron back in no time. He said, I've sinned against your God and against you. Overlook my sin one more time. Pray to your God and get me out of this. Get death out of here. Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to God. God reversed the wind. A powerful west wind took the locust and dumped them into the Red Sea. There wasn't a single locust left in the whole country of Egypt. But God made Pharaoh stubborn as ever. He still didn't release the Israelites. And that's why they mentioned the wheat and the spelt in the last reading that we did. Mm. That was a glimmer of hope to the Egyptians that there's a food source here. We can have our grain and our bread. That but now the locusts the were locusts coming in. The came and took that away from them. Interesting. Mm. Strike nine. God said to Moses, stretch your hand to the skies. Let darkness descend on the mm -hmm. land of Egypt. A darkness so dark you can touch it. Moses stretched out his hand to the skies. A thick darkness descended on the land of Egypt for three days. Nobody could see anybody. For three days, no one could so much as move, except for the Israelites. They had light where they were living. Can you imagine? <laughs> I'd be like, hey, uh, Israelite friend, you want to come over here and hang out with me so I can have a little wow. light? <laughs> Pharaoh called in Moses, go and worship God. Leave your flocks and herds behind, but go and take your children. But Moses said, you have to let us take our sacrificial animals and offerings with us so that we can sacrifice them and worship to our God. Our livestock has to go with us with not a hoof left behind. They are part of the worship of our God, and we don't know just what will be needed until we get there. But God kept Pharaoh stubborn as ever. He wouldn't agree to release them. Pharaoh said to Moses, get out of my sight and watch your step. I don't want to ever see you again. If I lay eyes on you again, you're dead. Moses said, have it your way. You won't see my face again. Oh. Strike 10. God said to Moses, I'm going to hit Pharaoh and Egypt one final time, and then he'll let you go. When he releases you, that will be the end of Egypt for you. He won't be able to get rid of you fast enough. So here's what you do. Tell the people to ask each man from his neighbor and each woman from her neighbor for things made of silver and gold. God saw to it that the Egyptians liked the people. Mm. Also, Moses was greatly admired by the Egyptians, a respected public figure among both Pharaoh's servants and the people at large. Then Moses confronted Pharaoh, God's message. At midnight, I will go through Egypt and every firstborn child in Egypt will die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne 
to the firstborn of the slave girl working at her handmill, also the firstborn of animals. Widespread wailing will erupt all over the country. Lament such as has never been and never will be again. But against the Israelites, man, woman, or animal, there won't be so much as a dog's bark, so that you'll know that God makes a clear distinction between Egypt and Israel. Then all of the servants of yours will grovel before me, begging me to leave. Leave, you and all the people who follow you, and I will most certainly leave. Moses, seething with anger, left Pharaoh. God said to Moses, Pharaoh's not going to listen to a thing you say so that the signs of my presence and work are going to multiply in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron had performed all these signs in Pharaoh's presence, but God turned Pharaoh more stubborn than ever. Yet again, he refused to release the Israelites from his land. God said to Moses and Aaron while still in Egypt, This month is to be the first month of the year for you. Address the whole community of Israel. Tell them that on the tenth of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one lamb to a house. If the family is too small for a lamb, then share it with a close neighbor, depending on the number of persons involved. Be mindful of how much each person will eat. Your lamb must be a healthy male, one year old. You can select it from either the sheep or the goats. Keep it penned until the 14th day of this month and then slaughter it. The entire community of Israel will do this at dusk. Then take some of the blood and smear it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which you will eat it. You are to eat the meat roasted in the fire that night along with bread made without yeast and bitter herbs. Don't eat any of it raw or boiled in water. Make sure it's roasted the whole animal, head, legs, and the innards. Don't leave any of it until morning. If there are leftovers, burn them in the fire. And here is how you are to eat it. Be fully dressed with your sandals on and your stick in your hand. Eat in a hurry. It's the Passover of God. I will go through the land of Egypt on this night and strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, whether human or animal, and bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am God. The blood will serve as a sign on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No disaster will touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This will be a memorial day for you. You will celebrate it as a festival to God down through the generations a fixed festival celebration to be observed always. You will eat unraised bread for seven days. On the first day, get rid of all yeast from your houses. Anyone who eats anything with yeast from the first day to the seventh day will be cut off from Israel. The first and the seventh days are set aside as holy. Do no work on those days. Only what you have to do for meals Each person can do that. Keep the festival of unraised bread. This marks the exact day that I brought you out in force from the land of Egypt. Honor the day down through your generations, a fixed festival to be observed always. In the first month beginning on the 14th day at evening until the 21st day at evening, 
you are to eat unraised bread. For those seven days, not a trace of yeast is to be found in your houses. Anywhere, whether a visitor or native of the land who eats anything raised shall be cut off from the community of Israel. Don't eat anything raised, only matzoth. Moses assembled all the elders of Israel. He said, select a lamb for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the bowl of blood and smear it on the lintel and on the two doorposts. No one is to leave the house until morning. God will pass through to strike Egypt down. When he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, God will pass over the doorway. He won't let the destroyer enter your house to strike you down with ruin. And I'm guessing here, I'm going to pause here. Mm -hmm. That destroyer was one of his angels. Again, not the cute little cherub guy with uh, with a little uh, bow and arrow. This ain't no Cupid. No, 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 no. I know. I'm just, I'm picturing this and just the enormity of what's about to happen is not lost on me. Keep this word. It's the law for you and your children forever. When you enter the land which God will give you as he promised, keep doing this. And when your children say to you, why are we doing this? Tell them. It's the Passover sacrifice to God who passed over the homes of the Israelites in Egypt when he hit Egypt with death, but rescued us. The people bowed and worshipped. The Israelites then went and did what God had commanded Moses and Aaron. They did it all. At midnight, God struck every firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, right down to the firstborn of the prisoner locked up in jail, also the firstborn of the animals. Pharaoh got up that night, he and all of his servants and everyone else in Egypt. What wild wailing and lament in Egypt! There wasn't a house in which someone wasn't dead. Mm -hmm. Pharaoh called in Moses and Aaron that very night and said, Get out of here and be done with you, you and your Israelites. Go worship God on your own terms. And yes, take your sheep and cattle as you've insisted, but go and bless me. (laughs) I love how he gets that right in the end there. And bless me. Yeah, please. (laughs) The Egyptians couldn't wait to get rid of them. They pushed them to hurry up, saying, we're all as good as dead. Mm. The people grabbed their bread dough before it had risen, bundled their bread bowls and their cloaks, and threw them over their shoulders. The Israelites had already done what Moses had told them. They had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold things and clothing. God saw to it that the Egyptians liked the people and so readily gave them what they asked Mm. for. Oh, yes. They picked those Egyptians clean. (laughs) The Israelites moved on from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 people on foot. Oh, wow. Besides their dependents. Oh. Hebrews and non-Hebrews alike set out, not to mention the large flocks and herds of livestock. They baked unraised cakes with the bread dough that they had brought out of Egypt. It hadn't raised. They'd been rushed out of Egypt and hadn't time to fix food for the journey. The Israelites lived in Egypt 430 years. At the end of 430 years to the very day, God's Mm -hmm. entire army left Egypt. 
God kept watch all night, watching over the Israelites as he brought them out of Egypt. Because God kept watch, all Israel for all generations will honor God by keeping watch this night, a watch night. I'm just struck by 600,000. It started with, yes, besides dependence. dependence, right? It started with a family group of 70. 70. 600,000 plus dependents. So let's say we're talking over a million people. Oh, yeah, because let's say there was two or three kids in there per family easily. Well, well and then they have their servants and their maids and a crazy amount of people. God said to Moses and Aaron, These are the rules for the Passover. No foreigners are to eat it. Any slave, if he's paid for and circumcised, can eat it. No casual visitor or hired hand can eat it. Eat it in one house. Don't take the meat outside of the house. Don't break any of the bones. The whole community of Israel is to be included in the meal. If an immigrant is staying with you and wants to keep the Passover to God, every male in his family must be circumcised. Then he can participate in the meal. He will be treated as a native son. But no uncircumcised person can eat it. The same law applies to both the native and the immigrant who is staying with you. All of the Israelites did exactly as God commanded Moses and Aaron. That very day, God brought the Israelites out of the land of Egypt, tribe by tribe. Mm. It's interesting that it brings into clarity now why in the New Testament they had such an issue with the whole circumcision thing and why people were getting circumcised just to have conversations and the rights to be able to go into Mm. the Jewish group because this was so ingrained in them. Yeah, you're excluded if you were not circumcised. Yeah, I mean, God almost struck Moses dead because he failed to circumcise his own son. Thank God for his wife in that. I mean, she was a good woman. Uh, I'm not sure his son agreed, but... Uh, but Can you imagine, like, your mom, like, waking you up out of sleep with, with, a, a, knife with a knife in her hand? Like, we hey, gotta I, take yeah, care we got to take care of this real quick. Uh, but just... what another, again, to just see Pharaoh and the hardness of his heart and how, I mean, God made him stubborn because in the end, it was... I want there to be a clear distinction. You are my people Absolutely. and I am taking care of you. I know. I'm I'm sitting here just thinking about this final plague and I don't believe, I think growing up I always believed all these, these firstborn kids. So I'm picturing like dead babies and dead children, but it never said just the young. Oh no, this it's was- the firstborn, so adults, grandparents the very you and i would both be dead yes yes i would be dead you would be dead the oldest child at home now there's children bonnie might be dead nutmeg might be dead. oh don't even talk about we don't know if they're firstborn or not (laughs) our our two special needs dogs we have a three-legged one and a blind Blind one. one And we love them to death, but yes. we don't know if they're firstborn or we not. Have no, well, we would have found out that night. But then when you start to think about it that way, the amount of death. Mm. But then think of what that does. Like, you know, inheritances going through the old. I mean, it 
just literally not only was it the horror that this person was gone it then those firstborn people held shook up all the structure it's just i guess the second born is like (laughs) but what a good day to be a second born child no don't ever complain about not being the oldest what if you were a twin that came out almost first right yeah see and that would happen. Yes. It wouldn't be both of them. It would be the firstborn. Wow. Friends, this Bible thing, man, it is crazy with some drama and showing human nature. Mm-hmm. Again, a lot of things haven't changed. We just put a little different package on it now. Yes. But things really haven't changed a whole lot. No, nope, they have not. So friends, that's another day of a journey through the message. We're going to find out tomorrow just kind of what happens next after all 10 of these plagues have now hit Egypt. Mm-hmm. What happens and next? The Israelites are on their way out, and I bet they're super excited and happy to be leaving. We'll see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Until then, take care.